Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today we welcome in Chronicle sports columnist Anne Killian, multiple California Sports Writer of the Year, and we will talk about the viability of even playing a baseball season in the midst of a pandemic. Anne was out at one of the games at the Coliseum earlier this week, and she has a lot of thoughts on the sport. And the thing I wanted to chat with you about first was uh, you were actually out at the Coliseum with me and Matt Kawahara on Monday, the last day of the Angels series. It's a, it's a unique experience out there now with no fans. <laughs> what what kind of struck you the most as, as you were out there for that game with no people there and a bunch of cardboard cutouts and players sitting in stands and, and all of that other very bizarre stuff? Uh, just, just how very, very strange it was and, and uncomfortable. And, um, I know that the point of trying to, or the professed point of trying to start, uh, sports up in the middle of a pandemic is that it will create some sense of normalcy and make people feel more normal somehow. And I just, it feels anything but normal. I would imagine that the players, I mean, you would know better than I, um, you know, I would imagine the people involved find it very strange. Um, the just everything from playing of the national anthem when there's no one in the stands. Like I don't really get that part. Playing um, take me out to the ball game in the seventh inning stretch when there's no one in the park. Uh, you know the, the the media is sitting there, and then I think there was one security person that was kind of clapping every once in a while for the A's. You know, someone who's was you know, in place to make sure that the bathrooms are sanitized or whatever. I'm not sure what that person did, but but it was this random one person. It was literally the sound of one person clapping in in the stands. Um, and I, I just, my sense on the few Bob Melvin um, Zoom calls I've gotten on is that, you know, he, it's a, I just get the feeling of just trying to make the best of it because it's such a such a weird situation i was out there of course the day the marlin story was breaking so i was really writing about that and then um i was like you know as as reporters were we're trained to follow a certain routine and in about the seventh inning i'd already filed my column and i was like well i guess i'll just go home yeah. because there's no point of being here and whatever i need if i needed anything um i could get it on my on my zoom call later on it's just it's it feels um it feels forced i don't know i what are do you have any sense of how the players are actually enjoying this but you know chris bassett said something really interesting this week as he generally does like, the guy's going to make a wonderful broadcaster somewhere down the line <laughs> hopefully he has a nice long career but uh he's thoughtful uh he speaks his mind and he said uh, I think we took the fans for granted for a really long time. Now I think we understand the true value of having fans in the seat supporting us. It's just canned-in crowd noise. Uh, it might be doing one thing that they they were concerned about, covering you know kind of the conversations between teams and preventing right. antagonism, unless it's um, you know <laughs> involving the Astros, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that that to me that's kind of it. It sounds very strange. Um, we can actually hear the players that are sitting in the overflow dugouts, which are the, essentially right. the stands in the first level. We can hear the hear those players loud and clear. So uh, it's it's very it's all a very unusual thing. I think 
muscle players just want to play, right? This is what they've been doing their whole lives. And uh, they love baseball or they need the paycheck or whatever. I mean, who who cares what the motivation is? But they all do want to play. But I think they understand that it has to be done safely. And the A's with an at-risk player and Jake Diekman, I think there's a little bit of extra sensitivity. They're uh, also a team that's had a minor league coach who was on a ventilator for a very long time in New Orleans and now is in rehab and was a very, very serious situation. Obviously, former minor leaguer died of COVID. A former manager had a pretty bad case of COVID and was hospitalized. Art Howe, who's fine now, but, um, you know, that's that's all scary. I think the A's are, are very aware of what the coronavirus is doing around the country. Uh, anybody <laughs> that isn't at this point, I'm not quite sure what's <laughs> going on, but... Yeah, the, the players understand the seriousness of this situation, but I think they're also finding every, everything very strange, too. Bassett also said that the makeshift kind of dugout and bullpen, they don't have a good view. And they're used to being able to intermingle and talk to each other during games, um, relay information. Shamania comes off the mound and says, hey, you know, does it... Does it look like I was tipping a pitch or am I getting my slider where, you know, where right. I really want to? They can't do that now because they can't really see and they can't talk to the guy that's actually in the game when he comes out because he's going to the dugout. So um, it's an adjustment for everybody. Yeah, I mean, nothing's ideal. Um, Diaz have just gone off on their first road trip and we'll be finding out later today, you know, how, how things are going on that, how they're feeling, whether they felt safe in the air, whether they feel safe at the hotel, how the setup is at... Uh, in Seattle at the ballparks. So um, right. yeah, there's that's, a lot of apprehension. The, yeah. Right. Apprehension. There's kind of an ominous feeling about every, every day so far, you know, right. every game you kind of wonder like, well, what's going to happen? And you're not wondering what's going to happen in terms of the score. You're wondering what's going to happen, you know, in just this interaction, what happened with these guys walking through the hotel? Like to me, that just, it, I, I wrote about this a little bit. It, I find the NFL hard to watch um, now that we know so much about brain injuries. And, and so the, the things that used to like stir up a crowd, like a big hit, you now kind of flinch when you watch it. And baseball's always been a little different because, I mean, unless someone's getting beamed or whatever, but, but baseball hasn't carried that level of danger. And now watching baseball, it feels dangerous and it doesn't feel super fun or lighthearted. It just feels kind of ominous. And obviously with the news, you know, about more and more players testing, there, there's also that kind of feeling like, is, is it going to last beyond today? What, what's it going to take to tip the decision makers to saying, you know what, this just isn't worth it. We're, we're not only are we, are we not playing real baseball, which I, you know, is really, let's, let's face it. This isn't, this is going to be the biggest asterisk ever. Right. But, uh, it, we're also, what, where, where's the tipping point where it's just not worth it to play the season? Because I think, you know, we, at the beginning of this week, there were two teams sidelined, the Phillies and the Marlins, and now uh, the Cardinals and I guess the Brewers. And how long does that go for? And a lot of the things you hear teams saying like, oh, we can be back next week goes against the protocol you hear where if you've been exposed, you're supposed to be quarantined for 14 days. Like it just, it's just, we're we're one week in and it's already starting to snowball and just looks out of control. Yeah, I think the the one of the major concerns that MLB and the players union had was potential transmission between teams because once that happens, uh you could wind up losing a whole swath of the schedule. Uh and I, it seems as if there is it potentially has happened um with the Marlins and Phillies, the Phillies having some positive tests. 
uh, including among right. their coaching staff after playing the Marlins. Um, very troubling reports about the Marlins voting to play despite knowing they had positive tests. Yeah, that, um, the, I, I don't get that part. And, I don't understand how fact, that's even possible and how MLB would not come down extremely hard on them for that. That goes against all of the protocols that their own union put in place. So um, that's that's very troubling. You asked on a, one of our video calls with Bob Melvin, you asked, uh, I think, basically simply about the logistics of what happens when you have one or two teams sidelined for a week or two uh, and just playing the schedule and playing a fair schedule. Uh, at the end of the year, are there going to be teams that have played 52 games and others that have played 60? Are there going to be teams that have played 35 games and others that have played 40? You know, who? how do you even begin to assess a season like that? Or can you make up these games in 60 days? How are you going to have a team make up, you know, six games and potentially more with things that you normally would lose games to, rain, et cetera? Uh, right, I just, and, and it's such a compacted I don't even like calling it a season because it's not a season. 60 games is not a baseball season. I don't care what, what you say. Um, but it's such a compacted enterprise anyway. And then now, you know, we've seen that they're going to put in oh, doubleheader games, um, seven innings a, a game. Little like, league games. Is, hey. I know. I know. What, and then if I they go in the extra innings, you put a runner at second. second what sport right, is this? Could we, if we're going to do all that, could we have a mercy rule too? Because the Giants could have used a mercy rule against <laughs> the Padres uh, late Thursday night. But I just, I, I, I don't see. And as Bob said in response to that question, it's like every, every time a play, a team has to shut down, it's affecting other teams. I mean, you're affecting the whole schedule. And like right now, the Phillies, they've had a couple guys test positive. There, there might be more because usually three to four days after exposure is when the positive tests start coming in. They shut down Citizens Park through the weekend. But but if you follow what epidemiologists say, if there's exposure within that team, everyone should be quarantined for 14 days. That takes you to August 9th. Right. Like, I just I just don't know. I, I don't really understand the disconnect between what is happening in baseball and all the science that is that has been talked about for the last four or five months um, and all the epidemiologists recommend recommendations. And it just, it, it's just very odd to me. It's, yeah. it's very odd. There, one of my, you know, at least maybe I was just jumping to this conclusion, but I thought the point of having the pool player site away from the main team was if you had say four positive COVID tests, you send those players to isolation for, two weeks or until they have two positive tests in a row, um, you know, within, uh, uh, not within 24 hours of each other. Um, but you bring up guys from the pool player group to fill in precisely so you don't lose games off the schedule. And I'm not a hundred percent sure why baseball has been postponing games rather than doing that. Perhaps there's just surely the risk that you bring in four more guys. And if you've got a bunch of already infected guys, infected players on that team who just haven't po tested positive yet, those guys are going to get it too. So, uh, right. I, I, uh, well, it doesn't so seem the like the system that I thought was in place is really necessarily functioning the way I, I thought that they had planned. Right. And if it was the Marlins, like how it would, they would have to bring in 17 people. Yeah. And well, how, I mean, how, yeah, there should be at least that many, but then you've got, it's, you know, if, the way these pool players, as I wrote in today's Chronicle, uh, these pool camps are sort of half older players ready to go up when needed and half 
very young prospects who the teams really value and don't want to lose a whole year of development. So you're going to bring up, a, you know, the A's have a 17-year-old and two 18-year-olds in San Jose. <laughs> Theoretically, they need their whole pool player camp. Are you bringing up Robert right. Poussin, who I have now learned is now is now called Bob, which kind of cracks me up. Not a, most Dominican <laughs> shortstops not are not named Bob, but I love that. But yeah, um, it's uh, it's all it's all kind of crazy. And and again, it gets to another issue of competitive balance and and the authenticity of what they're trying to do here. Right. If the Marlins do have to bring up seventeen people, some of them teenagers who have no business being up. I mean, I don't know what their their auxiliary team is like, but. But that's not fair. Like, what, just it just it seems like we're already getting to the point where it that the thing the the whole system doesn't make sense, and I don't know how it's going to start making sense. It I, once this starts happening, I don't know how you rein it back in. I mean, My, it's it's a very very as this country has learned the hard way. It's a very hard thing to get under control. Yeah. We really, I, I just in general, we've really we've messed this up in in all different ways. It's not just sports, you know. We can't say this is sports' fault or sports is really because you know everything tried to open up too soon and lots of people aren't taking things seriously or or for other reasons or are not doing some of the things that they they should be doing to help put it, uh, at least a uh, you know reduce the numbers enough so some some things could be safe. But I think the most emblematic thing to me going on in baseball right now is the Toronto Blue Jays. They play in a country mm-hmm. that won't let U.S. citizens in because we haven't controlled this. So they're having to play in Buffalo. But the Buffalo ballpark was not up to standards for either the protocols or just for playing Major League Baseball in general. So while they're improving the lighting and getting the stadium ready to, to actually meet the protocols, uh, they're just playing on the road. And then their games get canceled because they were supposed right. to be playing the Phillies. So they're just camped out in Washington, D.C., just waiting. The Toronto Blue Jays. That's their season right, right now. <laughs> right, right. It, it's, it is. They are emblematic, you're right, of, of just everything that's happening. And 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 I, I, the Marlins are still in Philadelphia, right? Yeah, I mean, they, to my knowledge, yeah. <laughs> under quarantine. I mean, it, uh, and, and, you know, people say, well, other, other, I've heard people say other countries have, you know, the, the, the European soccer leagues completed their season. Well, they, they, they did it. They didn't try and do it backwards. They got the disease under control and then brought sports back in a very uh, strict, you know, strict manner that the teams were had been quarantined like they they it was so much more controlled. And so the fact that we're trying to do this and again, to to try and provide something that is supposed to be a distraction or normalized when all you can think about while these games are going on is the disease it certainly isn't a distraction from the coronavirus if anything it's just one more you know tire on the tire fire you can read more of ann killian's work and you could subscribe to the chronicle and read all of our a's coverage there at sfchronicle.com slash pod we'll be back with more in just a moment Are there any sports in the U.S. that are doing this right? Obviously, baseball does not have a bubble. I've had a few things, a few people say like, well, they're in a bubble. No, they're not remotely in a bubble. These guys all go home to families and girlfriends and, um, you know, they're not staying in one spot and seeing only each other. They are getting tested sort of every other day, but uh, that's really the extent of it. Well, so um, the the first sports league to 
complete to to do something and have it com- come to completion was the NWSL. We don't have a women's soccer professional team in the Bay Area, but um, they are you know a league. They only have nine teams in the league. One team could never even make it into their bubble in Salt Lake because uh, they were from Orlando and they had a, an outbreak on the team, and so they just had to withdraw. But those eight teams actually competed completed a sort of World Cup style tournament and they crowned a champion. It took place over the course of a month. Um, MLS is currently going on in a bubble after two teams have to withdraw early on for a number of positive tests. And again, you get into questions of competitive fairness and balance. Um, but so far that team is now, that league is now completing. They're in the, in the quarterfinals. Um, the earthquakes are actually in the quarterfinals. Uh, and, and so far, to my knowledge, it's been pretty successful. They are in Orlando in Disney World. and But they're trying to play. They're not traveling. They're trying to play. And the teams that have already um, been eliminated are gone. So the teams that, you know, it's only eight teams now. And, and so far, they've been successful. The NBA started last night also in Orlando in a bubble. Um, and I think the NBA is really different in my mind than either baseball or football is because they're trying to complete a season. You know, they were eight games, eight regular season games away from getting to the playoffs. There's a lot more at stake there than just trying to shoehorn a season in just for the sake of having a season. You know, there's, there's, they, you know, there were teams that were already like thinking about the Western conference finals. um, And, you know, there's also this trust between basketball players and their 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 owners that the NFL and the and Major League Baseball do not have that level of trust. There is a lot of goodwill that has been built up over the years and and so and there's also a lot of leadership in the NBA where one le- one person can make a difference. Like no one on the Lakers is going to go outside the bubble and do something screwy to mess up LeBron James' chance to win another title. You know, I mean, th- because LeBron basically runs that team, and I think there are there are leaders on a lot of teams because the NBA is so small. You can really have that kind of one forceful leader. I don't think you can have that in football. I don't think you can have that in baseball. And I and just the the main thing is just operating outside of a bubble as opposed to operating inside of a bubble. I think the NBA has a fairly good chance. Now the thing is, it's going to be a long time before they get to say the the NBA finals. And guys could get really bored and they could, you know, break out of the bubble. But but at the moment, I would give them a pretty good chance of trying to complete their season. Man, what a what a mess. What what uh, what did you learn when you talked to uh, each MLB team has an infectious control? What are they calling it? <laughs> it's the ICPC, the Infectious Control Prevention Coordinator. Um. Yeah, and I did a story on that, and um, and I didn't talk to either the A's or the Giants. They did not make um, that the person available to me, either team. But I talked to um, uh, Dave Greshner with um, with the Giants, the head trainer, and I talked to David Force with the with the A's, um, who and about just kind of their their process of think how they picked this person if you look at the operations manual for the 2020 season again in quotes um the it's in an appendix and you read through this job description of this icpc and it's clearly the most 
important and daunting job on the team. I mean, this person is supposed to be well-versed in epidemiology and in infection control and have all these responsibilities for overseeing basically everything that's going to actually make this thing either a success or a failure. And um, so it's a huge job that didn't exist um, before. And, you know, I've learned, as you know, I mean, I talked to Stan Conti about the job, who has been a trainer for, um, he was a trainer for many, many, many years with both the Giants and the Dodgers. He's retired now. You and I both know him well. But but sometimes you have to talk to someone who isn't employed by a team to really get a perspective on how uh, kind of overwhelmingly difficult this job would be in reality. And and so Stan and I talked about that. And it just it's it's too much. Um, and you know, like Stan said, they're trying to do the right thing. Like their their protocols check the boxes, but it's just not realistic. And it's not realistic once you start having players walking through hotel lobbies and in and out of airports or buses and traveling and, you know, eating. And it's, it's just, you can't control this, this virus. Um, you can't bend it to your will. And so I don't know how many, however many lists of things ICPC is supposed to take care of. It's, it seems like almost an impossible task. Yeah. It's a, it's all kind of a mess. I know you've been busy kind of following every sport uh, as you do as a columnist and um, sort of world events too, because of all everything that's going on. Do you, have you gotten much of an impression of the A's so far off to somewhat of a slower start than certainly they would want um, though they have a lot of optimism and you know, a lot of good all around talent. They'd feel good about this, as you say, air quotes season, anything that kind of jumped out at you or that you're keeping an eye on. <laughs> Um, well, you know, I think I, I kind of um, buy into the the A's overall philosophy and, and kind of culture is is probably useful in this situation because they, um, you know, they've always kind of rolled with the punches. They don't like get super upset if, you know, the sewage overflows in their clubhouse or, you know, they don't have the nicest facility or, you know, I mean, it's just kind of been. They've always had that underdog mentality. These guys, you know, they're they're a pretty tight team. They're young. Um, they're they're hungry. So I think all that stuff works to their advantage in a situation like this. That's very difficult. I think you know they have a super smart manager who also is pretty uh, adept at pivoting and and changing up if, when things unexpected happen. Um, you know, I. Right now, the standings, um, if I'm correct, they and the Astros are tied, right, for the the lead, whatever that means after six games. But I, you know, I would think if this season goes on that they will be a contender. Um, I saw that someone, a national baseball writer, wrote that they they were picking them for to win the World Series, and you know, maybe that would be a good pick. I certainly hope if that happens that they win a different World Series. <laughs> another time like next year because i think whoever wins this world series is just gonna it's it's just not gonna feel like a real i mean it will feel good if if they get there and it actually happens but this whole season is gonna have such a big asterisk left on it that um you know being a favorite in this season i'm not really even sure what that means yeah uh, i'm with you um 
You know what? I'm I'm in favor if they can somehow pull this off safely. I'm in favor of it because I like people having jobs, and there are certainly a lot of people that were brought back who had been furloughed because the season got going, um, including with the A's who had furloughed more than half their employees. Um, but, you know, all the pro scouts are still furloughed. Uh, most of the minor league coaches and, and managers are still furloughed because there's no minor league season. And an awful lot of people on the business sides and, and everywhere else, you know, all the people that put on a game that you expect, vendors and, and all of that, people are out of work. So, um, you know, obviously the vendors aren't back and pro scouts and things like that. But a number of people are brought back. The players are getting paid when they wouldn't have. Uh, and yeah, people don't really feel sorry for guys who are making, you know, significantly more than most people. But uh, this is their one window to make this, you know, in this right. profession that they have chosen. And they're all essentially losing a season. And minor leaguers are losing more than a season, really, because when you lose a season of development, you know, a lot of these guys are either just going to age out or they're going to, you know, be so far behind and the next crop of guys come is coming in. It's uh it's a, you know, right. I, I like, there are some things I like about playing it if they can do it safely. Um, and I, I'm right, with you. Right. I don't and know I, if it's a big upper for the country when all we're hearing constantly is sort of bad news about tests and uh, fears about possible, you know, <laughs> the ability to get the season done or not. But right, uh, right. yeah, I, I don't know. And, 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 you know, a lot of people are asking why don't more people opt out? Um, you know, why don't, why aren't these players opting out? Uh, and we're starting to hear that about NFL too. They've yeah. had uh, like 30 something players opt out at the beginning, but, but for one, I do think, like you said, there's, there's a limited window for these guys to, um, to, to do this at all. And, and professional athletic careers are short. Um, and they, they have very, very small windows. They also have a culture where, maybe opting out is is not going to be super embraced by a lot of people um you know there's kind of that mentality i think especially with young healthy athletes that you know you know just come on suck it up don't be soft that kind of thing that kind of runs through sports overall and i think you know even though this is a very different kind of uh thing to be wary of um i think that mentality can still be in play i just you know i I, I kind of leave it up to the commissioner um, who has been kind of invisible during this massive outbreak and, and the owners to, to do the right thing because um, it's, it's really got to be their call. And, and so far I'm not getting a sense that they're really that concerned about their players health, which is disturbing to me. Well, I mean, that's always kind of been the case, right? I mean, yep. you know, so especially in, in sports like baseball where, you know, here some teams are basically just like use up all your pitchers and when their arms bust, you know, there's another group right behind them. It's just a, it's a pretty cold business when it comes to, I've never really understood that. You know, these guys are assets. I would think you'd want to take care of them, even if you don't care about them as people. But in when you're talking pandemic, you know, the people who are at risk are your, Oh, your older employees, your managers, mm -hmm. your coaches, um, and some some at risk guys mentioned Jake Diekman earlier. You know, somebody look at somebody like Jake. I don't get the impression he's a very thoughtful guy. I don't get the impression he's somebody who's going. I'm going to do this because I feel like I have to be manly or um, fall in line with the rest of my teammates because of peer pressure. He he loves playing baseball. You know, it's his 
it's his passion. He wants to do it and he wants to do it if it's safe, but he's, a, he's got an at-risk condition and uh, he really wants things to be safe. And I think people have to remember that every team has somebody like Jake or some older coaches or some older, you know, they, the A's have a, have longtime beloved equipment manager and travel secretaries who are both in an right. at-risk category because of their age. And nobody wants to have any of those people get, uh, either very sick and um, potentially uh, impaired forever as a result, or you know, possibly die. It's uh, well, is, right. Is and baseball worth like, that? Even like Stan one death? No. Stan Conti and I talked a little bit about that, and just under normal circumstances, um, there are a lot of people who might hide their heart condition or their, um, you know, their hypertension or or something because you know they don't want that label on them. So. There's probably a lot of people in baseball that might have an underlying condition that that isn't even like someone, you know, who's being public about it. And then you get to the other thing that we know happens all the time, not only in baseball, but in all sports is is someone slightly injured and it would be probably best to have them sit out. But it's an important game and they play like what if some guy has, you know, a star has a, a slight fever of 100 degrees or something. And but it's you know, it's a game against your your arch rival that could make a huge difference you know people are always athletes are always getting put into games with that they probably should sit out with minor injuries and and again that mindset can carry right over to this virus um i i think in some ways we're kind of already seeing that with the with the whole marlins thing like oh we can go play you know even though we've all been exposed like that i don't know there's just a lot of problems yeah well, what an uplifting podcast, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I've well, gotten some readers being very angry at me that I'm not more upbeat about baseball. It's like, really? I'm sorry. I'm just not, I'm not paid to be a cheerleader. And, and it's just, I'm not finding it a super upbeat topic right now. Yeah, I, I'm with it. You know, I have to say the first few days of going out there and actually seeing baseball was great. You know, you think, mm-hmm. wow, I really, I really have missed this game, but it's not, it's not really baseball. It's, uh, uh, you know, I think we want like a real regular season with fans and the sights and sounds and real competition and even competition and everybody being able to play their best without fear. So, right. And if we all did the right thing, maybe we could have that next yes. spring, you know, but, but the thing is just, it seems so hard to do the right thing, even for a month or, you know, there's, there's been studies that say if, if everyone just did the right thing for the next six weeks, um, we could get this under control and it just hasn't happened. So yeah, people get complacent or they feel invincible or they, for whatever other reason, they just don't want to comply with some of the best practices. And, uh, I talked to, was talking to uh, one of the players in the player pool camp yesterday, um, just kind of off the record chit chat. And he, he said, why doesn't everybody just take care of their own business right now so we can get through this and things can safely reopen and we can play this sport the right way. He essentially said exactly what we've been saying. Like just everybody do what we're supposed to do until we get through yeah. this. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not just the cynical media then, it is, right? It's not, it's not. <laughs> And Killian, what a delight as always to have you on with A's Plus, and uh, I'm sure we will check back with you at, at some point, hopefully before uh, at least this year is over, if not if not this season, which could be over fairly soon. Right. Thanks for having me, Susan. 
Thanks again to Anne Killian for joining us on A's Plus. She's on Twitter, at Anne Killian. Thanks to our producers today, G. Allen Johnson and King Kaufman. We'll be back again next week with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.